Hey, this is Dominic Carbonaro. And Daniel Colleen of Ava Labs and Avalanche, a fast-growing ecosystem for decentralized apps. And you're listening to Edge of NFT, the podcast helping you grow fast in your knowledge of Web3 and NFTs. Stay tuned. Hey there, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode and find out how Avalanche is creating the bridge to easy onboarding for Web3. And why NFTs will take new and interesting forms in the very near future. And find out why chickens are still the most interesting thing in NFTs. All this and more on today's episode. And don't forget, we put together a gathering at NFTLA just a few months back that brought out thousands of the world's most innovative doers in the NFT space. Head to nftla.live to get tickets to our bigger, bolder, better, but also just as intimate and impactful event happening in Los Angeles, March 20th to the 23rd, 2023. See you there. Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features Daniel Killeen and Dominic Carbonero of Ava Labs, two members of a world-class team of experts building Avalanche. Known as the fastest smart contracts platform in the blockchain industry as measured by time to finality. Avalanche is blazingly fast, low cost and eco-friendly with a mission to digitize all the world's assets. Dominic is the business development lead focusing on NFT and arts, and Daniel is a business development associate for NFTs and culture. Avalanche is the future-proof blockchain that's built to scale. You build anything you want, any way you want, on the world's most developer-friendly layer one. Avalab's team has collective experience from leading Fortune 500 finance and tech companies to high-growth blockchain companies. They are passionate individuals creating a frictionless world by redefining the way people build and use finance applications. There are three main use cases leveraging the high-performance capabilities of Avalanche, decentralized finance, aka DeFi, and institutions, and provide enterprises and governments and digital collectibles. And their community is expanding and growing, supporting 15-plus languages today. Daniel, Dominic, welcome to Edge of NFT. It's good to have you here. Thank you. Super excited to be here. Thanks a lot, Ethan. And uh, thanks a lot, Jeff. Really looking forward to this opportunity. Of course. Absolutely. So welcome. And there's a lot to talk about. So we'd love to dive right in. But before we get too deep in the Avalab side of things, you want to know like about your journeys to Avalabs. How did you get there as team members and arrive to where we are today? Yeah. So in my previous life, I was working in educational technologies, mostly working with instructors on a one-to-one basis, like convincing them to use different textbooks and softwares. And then obviously COVID happened and my job, I couldn't really execute on it anymore. Most of my job was just at college campuses, right? Meeting with teachers. And so you can imagine March of 2020, there wasn't much in-person going on. So it was really, I just had a ton of free time. And so I got really into crypto through some friends and I'd found Avalanche pretty early on and went back to actually to school to take some courses to figure out how to run a node. So October of 2020, I had to take some community college courses while working full-time and eventually got a node spun up and just was very active in the ecosystem. And from there, I just been pretty much all in on crypto. And then earlier around this year in June, I had known some of the employees at Avalabs and kind of just worked out that 
I'm in this position now. Nice. I love this, by the way. I was on the other end of that equation. I was a PhD student teaching statistics. And I remember those folks like you, like visiting and say, oh, here's your textbook for the year. Here's the software. Make sure you utilize this. Do you want to add this here? <laughs> that's great. I'm really passionate about education. And I'm sure that's probably part of what brought you to the domain. And of course, integrating tech into it. It's a lot of what we're doing here with the podcast, right? It's educational. Absolutely. Daniel, how was your way towards Avalanche? Yeah, a little also unconventional. Been around crypto since 2010, first time I've learned about blockchain and Bitcoin. Somebody in my hometown was just very, very early. So a lot of people from where I'm from, Livingston, New Jersey, either working in crypto or own crypto really early on. Avid follower of the space, very into like the Ethereum community, r slash ETH. I was very active in that subreddit for a long time. Did University of Colorado Blockchain, not a founding member, but one of the earlier members. And when I started, I think that was like a six-person club that met on Reddit. And now it's like a hundred plus people that has sponsorships from both the engineering and business schools. So really proud of that. Journey career-wise was always going to be civil service, public policy, wanted to be in communities, which is kind of where the, I guess the crypto ethos really ties in. During the pandemic, I was a first responder. I was a 911 operator during in Hudson County, New Jersey, which is the sixth most densely populated county in America. Experienced an intense amount of 911 call volume, got pretty burned out, said, hey, I want to go do something else. Crypto DeFi summer was picking up at that time. A lot of my friends were doing well. Luckily, stumbled at three in the morning while doing some job resume work. Alva Labs in the middle of June, July of 2020, before the protocol went live. And then I said, that's a North Star. And I did everything I could to work for the company. And here I am today. Been with the team now for over a year and a half. First started as a contract employee and now a full-time hire. Again, really awesome to be speaking with you guys and really love what Dominic has been helping us out with in the last few months. Cool. So things are working out. <laughs> you know, it's a good sign when they bring you on as an employee. Also, another connection there, I went to Rutgers for my undergrad, so not too far from Livingston. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, we know Avalanche sells itself as an open programmable smart contracts platform for decentralized applications, but you encourage people to try for themselves and really kind of watch that it should outperform its competition, right? Where does Avalab see the future of NFTs and the way that Ava can support that? Yeah, so I think there's a lot of, I guess I would say pathways for how we see NFTs developing. So really there's like that renaissance moment of people understanding like what NFTs are as a technology component, right? So I think we're going to start to see more integration and use cases of NFTs as a technology in the enterprise area. So things like ticketing, things like diplomas, where people are using the baseline technology and saying, okay, this solves a fundamental business use case for us, and it makes it significantly easier for us to operate using the technology of NFTs. So I think that's going to be one vertical, and we're really excited to see it. I mean, you could think of a lot of different things, reward points for major airlines, things like that. And so there's going to be a lot of growth in that area. And the other area, which is like, I think what people normally associate the term NFT to, which is kind of like the board apes, right? And so I think a lot of people who have maybe have very little exposure to the space think, oh, I think of an NFT, I think of a picture. I think what we saw recently was a canon very similar to like 2017 ICOs. NFTs as a profile picture, we think have a strong validity in the sense that it's a form of digital identity. And so as we move more towards a digital space, people want a way to identify in that space. And we think profile pictures will primarily dominate that realm. So you can think of things like, it's basically like having a digital Lambo or a digital Rolex, right? Your profile picture becomes a flexing status. 
I think where we eventually see those things going, they'll merge towards being a physical identity component and then becoming actually some sort of a brand. So whether those end up being luxury brands, fully digital brands, whatever it may be, really the profile pictures that we feel will survive and continue will be the ones that then continue to switch to a brand. Probably most of them are going to struggle to make that transition. And so we feel like the future will hold the ones that have emerged and are strong and the ones that continue to enter that profile picture space as brand component with an identity, some type of long-term like roadmap for building out a digital brand, those will work. I think where we also see the primary growth happening over the next three to five years is really going to be in NFTs in a sense as, as like an art component. So what we mean by that is like digital art, but more towards individual artists building a brand for themselves and communities around them. I think what we saw a lot of in the recent boom of NFTs was the, the reason people bought them was because the price of them went up. And that's not really necessarily something that can be sustained forever. As we all know, price eventually goes down. But what we're starting to see emerge is loyalty to a creator and that creator building a community around them and just continuing to grow out that brand. So then them doing like an NFT on a weekly basis that's auctioned off to their community. Those are sustainable things that necessarily don't require the number to go up, but it's based in like a creator and a creator economy. So I think where we are placing, I wouldn't want to say a lot of our big bets, but where we kind of envision it going towards is a merging of the physical art world, which we already know is a $60 billion space, and this NFT space kind of merging into that. And so new creators, new artists, new mediums emerging from that, and those two things becoming one. And so that's where we want to be on the front lines of. We want to be onboarding a lot of those creators and creatives into that specific vertical. Yeah, man, it's interesting. We've had a lot of these conversations lately about digital identity, what that really means, and how it's just identity, right? Like we're talking digital identity. Well, it's not really that. It's just merging everything together. We're early, right, in that process, but that's really the direction we're going, right? There's so many interesting things that will evolve from that, whether it's like the more mundane stuff, like your driver's license and these things like this existing in the digital world or some of the sexier stuff. It's just, it's really interesting how that path is emerging. It's like the train has left the station, right? So around that, like you guys are developing a ton of different products and you have uh, Core Web, which you released. And the idea here is a Web3 user experience that starts to integrate a bunch of these different components we were just talking about. And we had this quote from your head of product, which was saying that Core Web is the perfect example of a product focused on human-centered design and the principles of providing users freedom, flexibility, and efficiency of use. Pretty solid quote. I like that. So tell us, guys, why is this a great way to connect with Web3? Like, what's special about it? I can actually speak on that. Mainly I've helped out with a lot of integrations with getting people onboarded into Core, and especially DAP level. Core Web is a probably a big step forward for all Web3 as a whole to have a command center, a base to start interacting with ease and simplicity and elegance. You could do everything from swaps all within browser to seeing your collectibles to eventually integrating with full suite of dApps. Long-term, I can foresee Core as potentially being a landing page for when people want to access Web3. Bold statement, but you know how there is today, Safaris, Chromes, Mozilla's of the world. I think people will start with opening their wallet first. And current interfaces are kind of, let's say, two-dimensional in a sense, and they don't give you the full traditional banking experience or traditional finance experience. But what Core does is lets you move, again, seamlessly through all of Web3 within one experience. And then the big component, which is what's, I think, going to be necessary, is thesis of application-specific blockchains, which is what Avalanche owns with subnets. Core allows you to integrate and work with a wide variety of different blockchains with a few clicks. It shouldn't be log in out of this, log in out of that, put your private key in here, 
put your C phrase in here. And now it's, if you want to go to another blockchain, it's click, click, simple and seamless. And if you want to transfer assets between different chains, or if you want to see units of value go across different chains, it doesn't have to be a complex experience. Refreshes and reloads instantly. And again, is posted directly on chain. Beauty of avalanches with instant finality is you actually see it happening in real time. You're not seeing a loading or waiting, which we've seen a lot of Web3 experiences before. Typically, I call Web3 clunky right now, but I think core is a big step to making Web3 less clunky. It might not sound sexy, like you use the word sexy, but it's, I think, a necessary step because for me, UI and UX adoption are as important to critical mass as the rest of the pie. So if users are not feeling comfortable with something that my mom could adopt, your dad could adopt, then we're making progress. And I think that's what Core Web does really efficiently. Yeah, I mean, that easy button, right? That easy button needs to be there for people. And yeah, that sounds like that's a great step forward. Yeah, absolutely. Clunky is interesting. It's funny, the media consumption around Web3 for me is, you know, like we're right inside of it. And we talk about the metaverse on these podcasts too and stuff like that. There's a lot of integrations there. I just saw like a mainstream thing about the metaverse where they had like, I don't know, some personality from CNBC or something you always see. I'm trying out a metaverse. And they asked the guy who was guiding them, where are we at with this technology? And he said, we're kind of at like dial up, right? (laughs) Even with the metaverse, which has been around for years and years, but I think it's a great analog for what's going on with Web3, meaning not that you can't reach a good stage of performance, but that just in the development of the technology, there's still sort of leaps and bounds to be made in various directions. That's because you see you guys taking it on. So when people think about Avalanche for NFTs, I'm curious what they think of or what you guys want them to think of. Any interesting examples or thoughts in that domain? Yeah. So I think that's a good question. When I started in June, we really didn't have an identity. And so what I mean by that is like when people think Avalanche NFTs, what do they think of? And I don't even necessarily think that that's been established yet. People still are kind of like, I don't know. I think there's pros and cons to that. But I do think the big pro is that we get to kind of help establish what that narrative is going to be. And so when people think of Avalanche NFTs, we want them to think of art. We want them to think of creators. We want them to think of value. We want them to think of things of quality and things that are going to have lasting impact. So things that are sustainable and will be here. Those are things we want to support. Um, When we look at our NFT ecosystem, we are thinking about this in a three to five year vacuum of who is going to be here three to five years from now, continuing to create content, continuing to build their community out and continuing to onboard new users in. So those are the things we're supporting. And they may not be the sexy things right now. They may not be the things getting all the volume that everyone's paying attention to, but that's not necessarily our goal. So just look around and tell you, hey, this is working right now. Let's go do that. We want something that's going to be here. I guess that's kind of our identity. And and that's what community is actually tending to gravitate towards. So like Tap Tap Kaboom is a recent artist in our ecosystem. He's done tons of mints. They continue to sell out. He continues to grow his brand and his audience. Gabe Weiss is a pretty prominent NFT artist. He did a mint on Avalanche. He did very, very well. Not only is our community responding well to this and, and consuming this, but we have very high faith that these artists will continue to be here and continuing to make work and, and create and grow uh, kind of our identity and our ecosystem. Yeah, I've seen some tweets out there describing Avalanche as an art chain and having art the capacity to be showcased specifically here, a fully customizable gallery spaces for the AVAX community, decorate, hang NFTs on the walls, hang out with friends, plays your avatar was kind of like the vision of this tweet. But it's, it's interesting to see, right? And see that develop and appreciate that as someone coming from 
a creator space, I'm a musician as well. That kind of thoughtfulness put into wanting to be affiliated with with great art. Yeah, absolutely. You know, on the on the NFT front, what are some of the more interesting ones? What are some of the sexier ones that are in your orbit right now? within your ecosystem that stand out to you. Some of the more fun stuff, you know, because I feel like there is a meta purpose of things that are purely fun. Maybe there's other utility as well, but right, there's something there and that is to bring folks into the space, to get excited about it, to have that enthusiasm, right? Is there something like that in your orbit that you could highlight for us? Yeah. So one of our main marketplaces, which is called JoePegs, funny, it's from our leading DEX, which is a decentralized exchange trader, Joe. They made a NFT marketplace, JoePegs. And so with that, they launched Joe Studios, which is their like Web3 Studio brand like building projects. So we've seen some really cool projects come out of there. They have Rich Peon, Poor Peon, which is a play on Rich Dad, Poor Dad. There's like a whole mining component, a big rock component. So it's a very fun project, but it also has a legitimate team that's building kind of a whole story behind it. We've even seen like even funny NFTs, like we have chicken also, which is based off of like a chicken and a rooster and there's farmland and the chicken lays eggs and you have to feed the chicken to get it larger to, to get more eggs. So there's a whole community and component. And those have actually done extremely well in terms of like price and where they're at now. Again, because the things that we have and we're focusing on are legitimate projects with real communities behind them. So I would say those two are kind of great landing points if you're looking at like fun stuff that has good communities around it that have been here and have been tested and will continue to be here. Are you aware of the Crapopolis uh, NFT project from Dan Harmon and Fox? Entertainment. Yeah, we had them on the show, I don't know, like a couple months ago, but it's a pretty big, serious project with Fox Entertainment, this blockchain creative labs that they have going on. Dan Harmon, creator of Rick and Morty, chicken NFTs. They lay eggs. We actually have at least one. I don't know how many. We maybe have a hen house full of chicken NFTs. <laughs> and apparently we're brimming at the seams with eggs that we've laid. So fruitful concept. Oh, you all have some chickens. Yeah, with those chickens. We got some of your chickens too, but we do have some Crapopolis chickens. I know our chicken is a first mover. Came out about a year ago. So that's real, recognize real, real, recognize real. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> hey, there's, room, there's room for lots of chickens, right? <laughs> They're fun, right? Yeah, that's, that's the, and that's part of it, right? It's just a good time and I appreciate the example. And I always want to remember that too, because I feel like in many cases, some of the more fun projects, the interesting ones do catch flack at various times for whatever reason. But the fact is, there's got to be fun, man. There's got to be interest. We got to get out there and enjoy ourselves and what we're doing and carry the space forward. So it's an important part of the puzzle for sure. I have to say, I was at a friend, one of my son's friend's birthday parties over the man, a couple of weeks ago, and they had a hen house, like actually in their yard. And chickens are cool, man. I mean, just generally, just to say, I think they had about 15 chickens. <laughs> the campaign starts there. Chickens there are go. cool. Chickens are cool. There's a trend. I was just at one yesterday, Ethan. Literally really? just yesterday <laughs> with a big old hen house, man. They had like, yeah, a, like a little mini chandelier and there was super fancy. Like they loved, it was like 10 chickens or something, 10 hens. There's something going on, guys. They're really sweet too. Like you could pet them and hold them. And yeah, it's fun. Anyway, so you get back to the show. I'm sorry. All right. So just curious, what's next on the roadmap for you guys? Partnerships, collabs, features, stuff like that. Anything you'd like to share about or stuff you can't share about? You could share with us here. No problem. <laughs> we just obviously had OpenSea deploy, which was really cool. We have some announcements, I would say, coming up in Q4 that are going to be pretty exciting and people should pay attention to. We're kind of in the last inning of like confirming those, getting everything tied down. But I'd say the next eight to 12 weeks are going to be pretty crazy here. So we'll share those when we can. So we'll make sure to get those over to you guys. I can add a little bit to that. Living in New York City at a very gratifying level, I feel there's a cultural renaissance here. 
And there's a lot of great participants in the Renaissance. And then it's happening in different cities as well. But just the benefit of New York City is you have your, your MoMAs, your Sotheby's, your Gagosians. So there's a lot of competitiveness to get to that level. Yeah, I think people are just really excited for like what's next, especially at the artist level. And that's kind of what we've been tapping into. It's just like I go out on a Tuesday. Actually, it's a Monday. I'm going to an event almost every night and asking artists, what can we do? Where can we fill? What is a pain point? Where did they make a mistake? Where was their trap? And what would you like to see is the most important question that comes back to is, and what we've been doing best is listening. And I think that's gotten us in the right rooms and the right conversations. And as Dominic alluded to, we have something really special that we're going to announce. And I really can't wait to come back on in a few months and share more with you. But I think we can only tease Alpha, not give Alpha. <laughs> right on. Well, we'll keep an eye out for that. And pay Rest attention, assured, everybody. it will involve chickens. That's right. <laughs> nice. So guys, like we talked about inspirations a little bit, or we at least alluded to them. Give us a little more insight. Like what's inspiring you in this space beyond what we've already talked about today? Like what's getting you moving? Back on that point, some of my friends, Vinny Hager, Dot, Dave Krugman, Ed Balloon, you know, just people that are just like, hey, things worked out for me in Web2, but the system is absolutely flawed. And I see not only the gold of the West Coast and Web3, but... I see a way to actually make a home here and make a long-term living here and bring others on board. Communities like the ones I mentioned are not selfish, they're collaborative. As long as you're positive, they're positive. That's kind of the ethos that we're looking for is really positive builders that have had already footing and success in the space, but want to take that next leap. And then their ideas are just sometimes off the wall, crazy. Can we like rent out this giant warehouse kind of thing to really simple and small to like, hey, I've got two to three friends that I think are going to be the next big music NFT in the space. Can you help us out? And that's kind of our role is to, you know, be igniters in this space and let creativity not hit a limit. Avalanche art is, in my opinion, something that an artist will want to flock to because we'll be supportive of what they're trying to accomplish. So the inspiration comes from my friends, my artist friends, my non-crypto friends. People just keep saying, wow, whoa, that's cool. If you can make me say that, then I think it's a guaranteed win in our book. Yeah. And for me, I would say the thing that excites me the most, it's really actually kind of a simple concept, is the ability for a creator to directly connect to the community without the need for someone in the middle to like facilitate that and take a like portion of that. Or just even giving creators an outlet and a way to connect to a community in which they necessarily didn't have. So like some of the people I've seen, some of the artists I've seen who have built communities around them and now are doing, while it doesn't sound crazy to a lot of people doing anywhere from like a thousand to $1,500 a week in NFT sales, and maybe they're located in more developing countries. Like that's everything. Would they have ever had the chance to be able to get their work into the hands of people and build a community around them and be able to monetize that? I don't necessarily know if that's true or not. So I think that idea of you have a creator and you have a community, and this is giving them the chance to connect very seamlessly without the need or forcing someone in the middle I think that's a powerful thing. And I think that's only going to continue to grow, right? I think creators will naturally start to gravitate towards that. And then that kind of flywheel effect starts to kick in. So I think the possibilities in the next two, three, four, five years of like what it looks like with creator connecting to community, I think that's what I'm most excited for. I think that's what really it kind of inspires me because obviously it's PFPs right now, right? But I don't know what that's going to look like in five years. It's NFTs now, right? But what's that going to look like? So those are the things kind of where we want to be ahead of and we're paying very, very close attention to. Yeah, man, absolutely. Yeah. Reduce that friction, make it easier to access, bring great people in the space. All those colleagues you mentioned, Daniel, man, exciting stuff, guys. And thanks so much for sharing with us some of the happenings, not all, but some of the happenings. 
of which there are many with Avalanche and Avalabs. There's so many cool things. So we'll be keeping a close eye here uh, over the next few months for some of those big announcements. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or have you received that chain letter? How did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. <laughs> Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintraininalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. Right now, what we wanted to do is to switch gears a little bit and get your personal perspective on a set of questions we like to call EDGE quick hitters. It's basically a fun and quick way for us to get to know you a little bit better. We're looking for short answers like single word or few words, but we may dive a little bit deeper here or there. You guys ready to jump in on these? Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Cool. Let's do it. All right. And we'll just kind of work our way through. I'll uh, have both of you answer each question and we'll just rotate. Okay. Question number one, Daniel, we'll start with you. What is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? A Hess toy truck. As like a child from like grandpa's money, Hess toy truck uh, around Christmas time. That was a little sentimental, but yeah, that comes to mind. That's very cool, man. You still got any of those old trucks hanging around? Yeah, somewhere. Let's talk about like collection value, maybe. I don't know what the price on Hess is right now, if you're longing it or shorting it, but uh, we've got a couple decades of collections from growing up. Yeah. Very cool. Dominic, how about you? Mine is a pack of Big League Chew, specifically that gum. Solid, yeah. Now, when you chewed that, did you feel like were you at that age? <laughs> like, I'm chewing the Big yep. League gum. <laughs> That's yes. what I thought. Yeah, nice. your marketing was so good. Yeah, you take that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stuff it in. That's awesome, man. Question number two, Daniel, what is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? Lemonade stand did really well, put ourselves on a highway, like in a junction to a highway. Oh, wow. And set up at 5 p.m. as so suburban New Jersey people come from the city, they stop, they're thirsty, caused a line of traffic. Oh, no. <laughs> Police came. I was like in fourth grade, third grade with my friends. Police end up taking lemonade and drinking with us. So end up closing stand, never go back to business again, but. Now Jersey is that, that's awesome. Man. <laughs> that's, that's pretty Jersey indeed. Only, only thing missing is like Bruce Springsteen just wailing in the background. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. My first thought though, he said, what's the first thing you ever sold? You said lemonade stand. My oh, thought yeah, was sure. you built the lemonade stand up as a business, <laughs> then you sold it. Franchised it. That's an investor. It. Yeah. Yeah. To a, no, I didn't get to venture capital until recently. <laughs> Dominic, how about you, brother? First thing I remember selling in my life was a pair of used ice skates. I grew up playing ice hockey. And so I can remember when eBay came out, that whole process of like selling stuff on eBay. And I sold a pair of, I remember like with my dad, I didn't do this obviously, but I remember with my dad going online and like selling a pair of my old skates and like getting money for it. And that was like such a crazy thing to do at the time. Mind blown. Yeah, totally. Man. Awesome. 
Question number three, Daniel, what is the most recent thing you purchased? Besides groceries, because that's not that fun. A piece of artwork from my buddy, Alex Shnetsky. I show my Twitter when uh, he has a studio. He's a known New York City artist. He's worked with like Wu-Tang Clan and so forth. Just bought a, in cash, not crypto, a piece of artwork. But was in his studio on Saturday night until Sunday morning, just spray painting on his walls. He's uh, one of the best spray paint artists alive. So it's really cool just to be able to go to his place and put some caps on some cans and not have to go worry about going to jail afterwards either. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. That's very cool. Yeah, thank you. Dominic, how about you? Um, I just recently bought a onesie of a skeleton. So me and my fiance and my dog all have skeleton pajama things we're going to wear for Halloween. So we just did that. Bought that last night. That was my last night. Yeah. But what does skeletons have to do with Halloween? That's my question. <laughs> my dog already has a pair of like full pajamas. And so she's like, do you to match the dog? And I'm like, yeah, I can do that. So now I have a full black onesie with like skeleton bones on me. So I don't even know if it's a Halloween costume or we just match the dog because it's easier. So. I'm so sorry, but like, this is so funny. I was walking down the street the other day and there was a little kid just like, with his parents were like steps ahead. He's laying in the grass in a skeleton costume. And I was like, oh, hello, Mr. Skeleton. And he was like, I'm not a real skeleton. I'm Patrick, you know? <laughs> this is like hilarious conversation we had with this kid. I cut you off, Jeff, sorry. No, and I was gonna say, we just pulled down top prize rocking the Hamburglar outfit this mm. past weekend. So nice. well done. it was an unexpected win there, but there were many a skeleton in the house too. All right, moving on. Question number four, Daniel, what's the most recent thing you sold? Oh, <laughs> that's another funny one. My table and my chair for my kitchen. You can't tell from this podcast, but I am six foot six and I got some really, I guess what I thought were high quality Ikea furniture. I sat down on one chair and it snapped instantly. So <laughs> I was just like, instead of go buy the chair, I was just like, the other chair is going to sit. If I sit down, the other chair is going to break. And then the table does match. So that went straight to uh, Street Easy and somebody picked it up. So hopefully somebody a little bit more nimble and lighter weight can take advantage of that. There you go. Dominic, how about you? I recently in September, the last thing I sold was a 16 ounce gold coin. I bought them a long time ago and I sold it to buy an engagement ring. Which I just got engaged last weekend. So that was my hey. last sale. Was that? Congrats, yeah. brother. That's Congrats. amazing. Yeah. Very nice. Cool. Okay. Question number five. Daniel, what's your most prized possession? I have a Derek Jeter limited edition 3000 bat that's signed by him in like white, like gold white. And there's only 3000 of these bats. So that one's cool. And then to get the signature like on top of it, it comes like standard. And then I met him one time, like knew he was going to be at an event. So I brought the bat and he signed it. Super cool. That one's up. That like, if you're talking about like collectibles, that's probably up there. Nice, Dominic. How about you? So when I think of possession, it's like the thing if it got deleted or got taken away. So like, it can be anything. This is going to sound kind of funny. I have a warlock on World of Warcraft that is the original character, and it is extremely old. And if I had that thing deleted, that would be like, oh my god, like a piece of me was gone. So. I would probably say that character. It's funny. I still play here and there, not much anymore, but you play with younger kids now and it's like, my character's older than you. Like it's existed longer than some of the people you're playing with, right? Who are kids. So yeah, that thing for sure. I don't know how long I can keep it going. Yeah, that's a great one. So we'll flip the order here. Dominic, we'll start with you. Question number six, if you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service and experience that's currently for sale, what would it be? I'd probably buy my dream house. And just have that done with. I have a house that I'm like in forever. I'd probably be my, my thing. Your forever house? Do you have a location in mind? Yeah. 
right on the beach. So right down here, probably somewhere between Newport Coast or Corona Del Mar, right there, like on the ocean. Awesome. Daniel, how about you? Yeah, kind of redundancy here, but um, land, Colorado, went to school at University of Colorado. So I'm obsessed with Breckenridge, Aspen area, most beautiful part of the country, in my opinion. Think about also a little sports car here or there doesn't hurt. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 50th anniversary Corvette gets uh, pops up on my phone every now and then. Can't knock that. All right. Question number seven, Dominic. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? I would probably say my competitiveness. Like I remember even dating back to when I was a kid, people would be like, it's just PE. Why do you care? I sometimes would like, yeah. And then as I got older, I was like, I would say like my competitiveness and like wanting to win and like wanting to compete and being okay with competition and winning and losing. I would say that. And even as I watch some of my brother's kids now and sister's kids, I'm watching that somewhat start to be taken away. Yeah. It's a West Point guy. There's an important quote from Douglas MacArthur among many that there is no substitute for victory. So I'm with you on that. Daniel, how about you? Personality trait you'd like to pass on? Yeah. Something I learned in the pandemic is just being really human, being involved with a lot of crisis and having to be the most vulnerable I think I could ever be with people in their unfortunate last moments. A lot of people have limited views on life and some also have open views on life. And I think the best thing to do is just learn to speak from the heart, wherever your stance is, and just be available to people. I find, especially in crypto, people are very fast moving and try to one up and get ahead and all that stuff. And I've simply won on just being me and just being very honest and human at the end of the day. Yeah, man. So important. So important. Not as common as you'd like. Question number eight, Dominic, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be? It's a tough one. It's like, it's got to be gone forever, but I would probably say lack of patience. I don't know if there's a word for that necessarily, but like giving things some time, like develop. Yes, I get it. I can relate. Indeed. Daniel, how about you, sir? The ability, I guess, not be tired all the time. (laughs) That's just, I don't know what that... I don't know. I'm a big person, so I don't know why. It all comes out in waves. Coffee is is my official brand sponsor. It doesn't matter the brand of coffee. It just matters that it's sponsoring me at all times. If we could eliminate the feeling to be tired, pull out all-nighters here working for Avalanche, but still would like not to feel tired. <laughs> coffee is the lifeblood <laughs> that fuels the dreams oh, of the champions. <laughs> absolutely. Hold on. Hold on. What is matcha then? that's living in brooklyn i've gotten into a whole new kick there (laughs) that is yeah i know that's a whole other level man i know we're running short on time but i just have to say that that is a quote from a movie starring will ferrell he's like a kid soccer coach kicking and screaming kicking and screaming yes so anyways jesse dylan who is bob dylan's son and has been on our podcast he's in crypto space he played part in that, in them making that movie. I think he was like the director or something like that. <laughs> so fun fact, one of my favorite quotes from a movie. Absolutely. All right. So go into question nine, Dominic, what'd you do just before joining us on the podcast? I fed my dog watermelon, who is now walking around the house panting. This <laughs> <Nice. laughs> is my quick break before we started. He was, he wanted watermelon and it's hot out. So it's good to like hydrate them. So we chopped up into little pieces and gave him some watermelon. All right. Uh, Daniel, how about you? had one of the coolest calls, I think, since working here about AI art and somebody that wants to make something really cool for AI art. And I'm excited. That's alpha. That is definitely alpha, but that is really, that one was like, for the listeners at home, I'm doing the mind exploding presentation for you. But yeah, stable diffusion and other ways of creating art are really something I'm into. So yeah, long-term future here. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I know there's some amazing stuff out there on that front. 
And last question, guys. Dominic, we'll start with you. What are you doing next after the podcast? After the podcast, we actually have a meeting, me and Dan do, uh, with a great community builder. So I'm going to go get some coffee to get ready, lifeblood for that one. And hopefully it'll be kind of the last little component of our coming initiative. So it'll be nice to, I guess, put a, a bow right on the package. Yeah. Very exciting. All right. I know where you're heading then, Daniel. Anything in between? <laughs> Nothing in between. Later tonight, going to support my buddy Emmett Cohen. He's a Grammy Warrior Jazz pianist. He's hosting a 100th live stream of his show. Do not have the name of the show offhand, but go look Emmett up. He's awesome. He's been doing streams since the pandemic and it's been a really great force for jazz in New York City as well. Well, if you do figure that out, I'll definitely send it our way. I don't know if we got yeah. a jazz pianist here on the other side of the uh, screen here with Ethan. So Very cool. Very cool. I'm a full-time connector, so I'm happy to get everybody introduced. There awesome. you go. Beautiful. All right, hey, that's Edge Quick Hitters, guys. We appreciate you sharing. Lots of good stuff. Lots of fun. Hey there, NFT Space Cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com, it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle, to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio. And you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right. This full service soup to nuts and whole enchilada NFT service can help you. Yes, you, Randy. Launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Dot com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. Word on the street is we got a little shout out we wanted to share. This is a segment we created to give some people a little bit of love, you know, in our orbit and elevate them here on the show. So I'll turn it over to you guys. Who would you like to shout out, I should say? Yeah, for sure. I think builders in our, in the avalanche ecosystem space, Avalytics is a great site. Joe Pegs is a great marketplace. Tap Tap Kaboom, Gabe Weiss are two great artists in our, our native ecosystem. So yeah, if you check those people out, I think it'll be a great starting point. Amazing. Beautiful. Yeah. Check them out, y'all. People moving the needle for these guys. So we do appreciate it. Well, before we close the episode, we do want to make sure that our listeners know where to go to follow all these amazing things that you're doing, as well as this forthcoming news that will be breaking very soon. Where should we send them? Yeah, I'll take that. Avalanche's Twitter account. At Avalanche AVEX, probably the best source of information. I also recommend people go into avalabs.org. That is A B A L A B S.org. And from there, you can get sucked into the rabbit hole of what the future of blockchains is going to look like. Lastly, you can follow myself, Daniel X Clean, on Twitter, as well as Dominic. Dominic, you want to give your Twitter handle? 
there it is, y'all. So check these guys out, follow Avalanche, all the amazing stuff that they're doing. Really cool guys. Thanks so much for sharing with us. So I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventurers on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today, Phyllis. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.